On the night of November 27th, a young woman in Beijing named Cao Jusing did something you can almost never do in China. She went to a rally. At least 10 people had died in a fire in Western China, and many people were blaming their deaths on the country's severe COVID lockdowns. Rallies were popping up all over the country. Cao wanted to join in. And she said in her WeChat group with some friends, should we check out whether there is a rally in Beijing? Should we do something? It was a spur-of-a-moment decision. Our colleague Shen Lu has written about Cao. She says Cao and her friends had never been to a rally before. Publicly showing your discontent of authoritarian rule, of COVID restrictions, could get people in big trouble. And Chinese people haven't publicly protested since 1989. But that night, Cao and her friends decided to go. The rally was billed as a candlelight vigil for the people in Xinjiang who died, and they were really surprised. So many people were out mourning the dead. Hundreds of people were on the streets. And they brought flowers and candles and sang a Chinese lament, farewell. So it was a peaceful rally. But they were also very electrified and empowered by such a large turnout. As it got later into the night, the mood at the rally began to change. People started to chant slogans. There were people calling for Xi Jinping to step down. So it became political. But then there were also other demands, like gender equality and LGBTQ rights. They thought, while we finally were able to express so many emotions that had been bottled up for so long. Not long after midnight, Cao and her friends moved on from the rally. They got grilled skewers from a food stand and went to a bar. Cao got home before dawn. They clearly had no idea that they might have done something that could get them in big trouble later on. But Cao Jusing did get in big trouble. Hello, everyone. I'm Jusing. I've asked my friends to post this video in case of my disappearance. If you're seeing this video, that means I've already been taken away by police. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, February 3rd. Coming up on the show, China's accidental dissidents. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. 
Apply in minutes at mercury.com. Cao Juxing has become an unlikely face of dissent in China. She's 26 years old and recently graduated from a top Chinese university. She was working at a publishing house in Beijing. Before attending the rally in November, her boyfriend says she was more interested in pursuing her hobbies and having fun with her friends than taking a stand against the Chinese government. She's a really friendly, cheerful, and also playful young lady that really loves books and nature and things like cute stuffed animals or junk food. Cao's boyfriend is studying in the U.S., they met when they were both in China doing their masters at a meeting of the university's film club. She was wearing a very white sweater and looks, well, kind of cute. Did you get butterflies in your stomach? Mm, actually, it's the it's first time that I hear about this expression. Oh, it means like, um, uh, you, like you, your stomach feels light and you're nervous because you, you realize you have like um, emotions. Yeah, yeah. The Chinese saying that's close to this is like a a little a little deer running your heart and mind or something. Oh, wow. a little deer. I mean, that's pretty similar. Butterflies, a, yeah. a little deer. Um, the deer <laughs> sounds a little bit more intense. I have to say, than butterflies, bigger. <laughs> Tao's boyfriend says she loves to read and go bird watching. At times, he says she can be pretty silly. Like, Cao has an electric toothbrush, and she and her boyfriend often joke about how she always forgets to charge it. So one day, she wrote a song about it and played it on her ukulele. So the lyric is about, uh, my electronic toothbrush always run out of power. I wanted to charge it, but couldn't find the charger. And every day is a new day. I always want to start a new life, but I'm too tired from work and other stuff. So my life is like the electronic brush that never gets charged. How did you feel when you saw that video that she made for you? I had a good laugh. Um, and I still wanted her, her to find the, <laughs> to find the charger. <laughs> yeah. Tao is also very social. Our colleague Shen Lu says Tao had a tight-knit circle of female friends, and they did pretty much everything together. Her friends are reporters, writers, editors, filmmakers, musicians, artists. They hang out together a lot. They would, you know, play video games together. They would have house parties together. They would go to film festivals and stand-up comedy together. They're also feminists. In the past few years, there have been a string of high-profile incidents of brutality against women in China that have galvanized people like Zhao and her friends. There was one video that was shocking to so many people who have watched it. It was a woman who was chained in a shed in rural China. People later learned that she was trafficked and is a mother of eight. Um, that cases like hers have antagonized and politicized many young women like Cao and her friends. And they also watched as a major sexual harassment case recently went to court. 
An intern at China State Broadcaster accused a famous TV host of groping and kissing her. When the landmark Me Too case was heard in court in China, many of them showed up outside the court to support the accuser. The court ultimately ruled against the accuser, saying she hadn't provided enough evidence to support her claims. But Tao and her friends came of age at a time when China was aggressively cracking down on any signs of dissent, meaning there weren't many outlets for people to express their views. They are aware of the tragedies stemming from the three years of zero COVID policy. They're aware of the plights of human rights lawyers and activists. And they were aware of the people who sort of live on the edge in society, and they want to help them, but they couldn't because of censorship and surveillance. So they're politically depressed. I mean, they have great fun hanging out together, but they're also, they also realize that there is not much that they can do to bring about social change. So in some way, they were primed to protest in November. November 27th was their coming out experience. But because Tao and her friends weren't experienced protesters... Yeah, they made many mistakes. When they were talking about going to the rally, it was first on WeChat, which is closely monitored. And then someone said, maybe let's move to Telegram. And they moved to Telegram. But some of them sign up Telegram accounts with their phone numbers, which are linked to their identities, easily traceable. Then they added dozens of others especially foreign reporters, who the government also monitors closely. And when they went to the rally, they didn't cover themselves up. They brought their phones with them. They took pictures, and they sent pictures to friends on WeChat. They left a trail, and they didn't erase the trail afterward. How police followed that trail is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. After 
after the rally, authorities in Beijing immediately started to knock on the doors of protesters. Just two days after the rally, Cao learned that some of her friends had been taken in for questioning. And she started to delete messages and images on her phone. She was in the process of deleting sort of the evidence of going to the rally when the police knocked on the door. And the police immediately confiscated her digital devices, her iPhone, her iPad, her computer, and took her away. The police asked the women, are you feminists? Are you lesbians? Have you taken money from the so-called foreign forces? They worry that there is a foreign mastermind behind the very decentralized protests. Why ask about whether they're feminists and lesbians? In recent years, feminism has been vilified more and more as a Western thought. Recently, feminists in China have been trying to speak out about women's rights and broader systemic injustice, and a loose-knit community of feminists has been growing. To the Chinese government, this looks like a threat to its power. The Communist Party doesn't like anything that appears to be collective, organized action. Under Xi Jinping, the government has quickly stamped out even the earliest signs of dissent before it can grow into a bigger movement. Following the protests, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesman said that the rights of Chinese citizens must be exercised within the country's laws. After several hours of questioning, the police released Cao. Her boyfriend says that it seemed like her trouble with the authorities was over. One thing that I really regret, I was not worried about this enough. I should have foreseen the outcomes and tell them to, like be more cautious in different ways. I mean, there were thousands of participants and they did nothing very, very special at the scene. So I thought it's probably just a warning and questioning. They are the first time young attenders. They should be like released in a day. And she was released. She and her friends were released. Zhao carried on with her life. But a few weeks later, when she was watching the World Cup final, she learned that some of her friends had been taken in by police for a second time. She thought the police might come back for her too. She was really anxious and worried she couldn't sleep at night. So she got on a train and left town, then headed for her parents' home in central China. When she got there, Cao talked with a human rights lawyer who advised her to do something bold, to record a statement on video. Hello, everyone. I'm Jie Xin. I've asked my friends to post this video in case of my disappearance. If you're seeing this video, that means I've already been taken away by police. Cao was arrested on December 23rd, and the video appeared online a few weeks later. In it, she asks for help and insists that she and her friends did nothing wrong. We want to know why we're convicted and what is the evidence, why a citizen can be taken away like this without any evidence of crimes. If attending a morning event is the reason to arrest us, how much room is there left for normal citizen expression? She ends the video with a final appeal. We don't want to disappear from this world for no reason. Don't let us be taken away, be incriminated so easily. 
被定罪。How did you feel when you watched the video that she recorded? I I couldn't watch it. It was so desperate, and and I don't know. So the mere existence of that video might cause more trouble to her. It might be used for some evidence. But while recording a video like this is risky, there's another danger for protesters in China. In October, there was a man who hung up、uh, slogans on a busy highway overpass in Beijing that was denouncing Xi Jinping's rule and calling for the end of the zero COVID policy. We wrote about that man as well, but nobody has been able to nail his. Identity. Nobody knows who he is, where he is from. Nobody knows about his story. Outside of China, Shenlu says hundreds of thousands of people have seen Cao's video. But inside China, there is no media coverage in China. Her friends who are trying to advocate for her and tell her story told me that their social media posts got censored immediately after. They shared something. Zhao and three of her friends are still in jail. Zhao's been accused of picking quarrels and provoking trouble, and is facing up to ten years in prison. It's not clear how many other people who attended the rallies have been detained. Shen Lu and her colleagues have tallied more than twenty detentions in Beijing alone. The majority are women. Shen Lu says the government's hardline approach to dissent might be working. The Chinese government has been cracking down. On activists and rights groups over the past ten years, and they will continue to crack down any dissent going forward. And these young women and young men, you know, the friends in that artistic intellectual circle, they will receive continuing crackdown from the government and clampdown, and their arrests have rattled. The entire community of young urbanites. So I think some of them and some of their friends probably will be deterred from engaging at all going forward. Zhao's boyfriend says that it's only because he's in America that he can speak out on her behalf. No one dared saying a single word to support these ordinary innocent people that were arrested. Because they all believe that it will make things worse for Zhixing and her friends and themselves, and they might be right. No other family members or friends can do this, can show any public support. So, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll do this for them. Zhao's boyfriend hasn't heard from her since she was arrested. That's all for today, Friday, February third. Additional reporting in this episode by Leon Chi. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Linebaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show is produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bow, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Gadkari, 
Rachel Humphreys, Matt Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singy, Jivika Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Peter Leonard, Nathan Singapak, So Wiley, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.